0: You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf.
1: And welcome to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community. As always, I'm your host, Ben Wolf. Uh, and we're going to learn from our guest today how to connect yourself and your people to a deeper meaning and purpose behind their work uh, that will create a more dedicated, more engaged group of people. Uh, invite you, as always, to subscribe and leave a review wherever you're listening to this, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher. Uh, you can't leave reviews on the web, but uh, you can even follow on LinkedIn and, and keep up with what we're doing here and follow the LinkedIn page for Win-Win and Entrepreneurial Community. Uh, and with that, I want to get into introducing our guest today. Uh, She is Chief Purpose Officer at Dr. Elise Cortez and Associates. She works in that capacity with leaders and organizations to enable them to lead from purpose and create cultures of meaning that inspire impassioned performance. Uh, She holds a PhD in human development. Uh, She is an organizational logotherapist, meaning a meaning-based or purpose-based therapist. Uh, She's the host of the Working on Purpose podcast, uh, which uh, is very well thought of, uh, hosted on the Voice America Empowerment Podcast Network. Uh, She spent many years before this in the human capital industry in a a variety of capacities uh, in the corporate world. She has an upcoming book, uh, a women's anthology. She's co-hosting the Ignite Your Purpose Retreat coming up in April. Uh, You can find out more about her at EliseCortez.com. That's Elise, A-L-I-S-E, Cortez.com. And with that, I give you uh, Dr. Elise Cortez. Welcome, Elise. How are you?
0: Thank you, Ben. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. I'm fantastic. Thanks.
1: Awesome. Glad to hear. And uh, like I always start off with with my guests, if you could, if you don't mind giving uh, giving us a like a quick history, a little background and context for how you got to be what you're doing now. Maybe you know, stuff that's not reflected on your quote unquote resume on paper or in that introduction. Uh, that just kind of you know, brings you to where you are today. That's it's not you know on the resume, so to speak.
0: Sure thing, Ben. I think probably the easiest thing to start is that I grew up um, the the daughter of entrepreneurial parents in Oregon, and that has always been a part of my 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 my, my bloodstream, if you will. But also too a big thing that really started my journey on meaning and purpose is I've always been somebody who was adventurous I wanted to see what the what was in the world and I had the good opportunity in my mid-20s to go and live in Spain for six months and Brazil Mm -hmm. for two years and in that time then I got the chance to learn Spanish and Portuguese well travel all over Western Europe and South America it was an amazing life and that is the time when I was working on my My bachelor's and my master's degrees and that i would say really set the foundation for an ever curious sort of a wanderless sort of spirit in me and it also Mm. was a time when i learned what it feels like to not have a compass Um, Mm -hmm. because even though i had a fantastic life with a maid a chauffeur and a gardener and traveled all the time didn't really have to work to make a to make my way um it, it that that existential emptiness of not really having something to go for in life was actually fairly overwhelming. So I know what it feels like to miss your compass and how empty that is. And I dare say that that is exactly what set me off on my path to look for purpose and meaning and then help others today find it and limit for themselves.
1: Well, that's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's certainly something I can, you know, understand and relate to. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's a uh, that that you know, a, a lack of purpose. You know, you could have a good life. You could be following, you know, "quote unquote" the path. You know, of uh, of you know that you're supposed to follow in life, uh, but uh, you know, but without without underlying meaning. You know, it could it could, you know, especially for people who were more sensitive by nature. I mean, that that could really lead to a, 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 a feeling of crisis, uh, an emptiness. And now, now, going going on that, and just to give also for this is more for a little more context and background for people that are not familiar with it, but you know, we talk about meaning and purpose, right? So there's, you, you call yourself a organizational logotherapist. I mean, logotherapy, a uh, concept founded by Viktor Frankl. Um, and uh, you could just give people, I know it's a tall order, but maybe just uh, boil it down briefly. Like what, what, you know, what is that? Where is it coming from? Like what's, what's the, what is that model of logotherapy or organizational logotherapy in particular?
0: Yeah, I I'll, I'll share with that. I'll share that with you and then I'll help you understand a bit about how that undergirds pretty much everything that I'm doing today. But essentially, mm-hmm. it, so logotherapy is it is in the existential psychology camp. And so really, it's meaning-centered philosophy. It's a, That's an approach to living. It's about embracing achievement and navigating through inevitable suffering and helping people really discover that there really is meaning everywhere and in everything. And meaning, by the way, Ben, I'm sure you know this, is meaning is really the ultimate motivator in life. And so the more that we can presence meaning for ourselves in the moment, even what you and I are doing today, I do find this meaningful, it's motivating. And so logotherapy is a way to be able to apply and help others discover and, and and circulate and rise, if you will, meaning in their relationships, their moments, what they're doing at work, what they're doing on a project, what they're doing with their spouse, their children, whatever it is. And it and it's uplifting by its very nature. It's empowering, it's embracing, um, and, and therefore it's inspirational. So that's really what I would how I would situate logotherapy. And then in terms of how it how I use that in my work, Ben, mm-hmm. is um, it's I've so much of what I do today is helping organizations develop purpose inspired leaders because, again, they're more they're going to have a more impactful uh, well impact on, on the organization because they're vitally inspired. That energy is effusive and irresistible and they're they're motivated themselves. And then also too, helping organizations to be able to bring together all of their stakeholders so that they can together create what we call a visioneering, strategic, and purposeful future. So aligning all of their interests so that everybody gets what they want. So that if you can imagine just a, you know, a, a full-fledged, fully-fed machine being fed from all parts, all of its stakeholders. And so those all between the purpose and the meaning and the logotherapy. That, that all undergirds almost everything I do today in terms of consulting and leading and even, even the radio show.
1: Okay. And, you know, now, now, now I hope we can get in, in, in a minute to more of, you know, that, that's, that's very high level. It's exactly what we needed. And, you know, to try to get more into the, uh, into the practicality of like what that looks like or what that means or what people can do to, you know, on their own, even to, uh, to try to, Make their own selves or their or their teams more like that, but uh, but w- what's the current situation like if you can paint us paint us a picture uh, What life is like for most employees most people at companies whether large or small, you know Where they're spending 40% of their waking lives at work. What, what is that like for most people?
0: Yeah, and that's a big reason that I I exist, Ben, is I I really, the the state of today's workforce is unfortunately terribly dismal. And and if you look at Gallup's stat that 85% of the global population doesn't want to go to work on Monday morning or whenever the shift starts, that's a pretty dismal Mm -hmm. view. And so what it looks like for a lot of people is... They already feel completely overwhelmed in life. They feel completely strapped. They, they feel like they're running from one thing. They're on the hamster wheel, running and running and running, trying to get to work, get the kids to school, get something on the table for dinner at night, make the soccer game on the weekend, get to that, that meeting at 6 a.m. that they didn't know they were supposed to get to. And, and then w- when all that's said and done, then when they actually finish their day, not feeling a sense of accomplishment, feeling like I didn't get done what I wanted to get done, and I don't feel appreciated for what I actually did. Do you know what I had to do to move mountains to get to that meeting and nobody even said thank you? Um, do you know mm-hmm. that I missed six of my my kids' birthday parties to, to serve this organization and nobody said anything about that? So just a feeling of like, what's it all for? I mean, why am I, why am I slogging like this? And, and so at the end of the day, why they're slogging is a paycheck. And a paycheck is great, but it really just isn't enough to keep people inspired, motivated, going the extra mile, and persevering through challenges. There is something more that's needed in the workplace.
1: Right. So, so if I if I am a business owner or a leader in an organization, like what what effect does that reality have on my bottom line, on the business outcomes? Like, what effect is that having on me as a leader when that's the reality for most people like in my organization?
0: Got it. Got a great example for me, Ben. And it's fresh off yeah. the press. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I was, I was, I was out in my neighborhood a couple weeks ago, I guess, and and I went to my usual, and I'm not going to say the name of the organization, just to just to be kind of try to be kind, um, but I went to this place that I've been going to for years to do a print job for one of my upcoming programs that I was doing that that um, weekend. And literally, Ben, I'm standing in line at this printing place, and um, I'm there for about eight minutes, and I realize nobody has, nothing has moved, and nobody's even looked my direction. And I, then I start just, I was looking at my phone, waiting while I was in line, and then I look up, and I look at all the employees. And I kid you not, Ben, it th- I mm. couldn't have taken a more dismal picture of people completely bored out of their minds, and just like frozen in time just the eyes sort of glazed over and 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 it was like it was like i mean the, the 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 line was piling up and nobody was being greeted before me or after me nothing was happening and apparently they were trying to solve some kind of issues on whatever print job they were working on there but it was like being lost in time and so literally at about the 15 minute mark when still nothing has happened I went on my phone and I Googled for another nearby print shop. And do you know, Mm -hmm. by the way, I didn't know this, there was one right across the street. So I voted with my feet. Well, actually, first I called while I was in line and said, hey, can you handle this print job? They said, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Come on over. I literally voted with my feet and I left. And so later that afternoon, I actually couldn't resist. I put something on LinkedIn, and I said, "Well, leaders and business owners, you might not care about employee engagement, but we customers do." <laughs> right. So what no, happens is—that's a great—that's
1: is, a great story,
0: right? right it's it's just, kind of it's, a malaise. A I mean, it's a, just
1: a absolute malaise that you're, you know, that that you have.
0: Yeah, and so if that doesn't illustrate that the bottom line impact of of when when employees are. Are, are not engaged or not really feeling connected to their work, I don't know what else does.
1: Right. I mean, is, do you see a difference between generations in the effect that a lack of engagement or lack of purpose, I should say, maybe, maybe don't put it on engagement yet, but like lack of purpose or meaning with the work, do you see a difference in generations of what effect that has?
0: Well, yes, I think so. I mean, I think our, our younger generations are are requiring a purpose, right? They they I think that probably the the traditional generations, the boomers and 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 maybe the end of the Xers, they 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 did buy into, hey, you know, come and work for thirty five years, and we'll give you a nice pension retirement. It's all going to be good and fine, and that's terrific for them. But the younger generations, the millennials and and the wise. Um, and now the Z's are like, uh, yeah, you you really need to show me that you're up to something good in the world that I can attach myself to, or else I I think I'm Mm -hmm. out. So yeah, I definitely think that there is a generational divide. And I do believe, and I want to say thank you, frankly, to the millennials for ushering that in, because I think that's a more healthy way to live. Well,
1: you're welcome, first of all. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) improving so 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 what i okay so that's okay so we're i don't want to get too dismal here right so that's the you know i want to just kind of set the stage first and then say like okay now what you know what can business owners and leaders of smaller organizations right we're not talking about you know at least the for the audience for the people listening to this we're not really talking Usually about people that are part of you know five ten thousand hundred thousand person organizations right with with you know with the kind of resources that come with that what what can business owners leaders of smaller organizations do to to work on this issue to to get themselves or get people more engaged what what you know what could what could people do
0: oh my gosh. How much time do we have Ben? There's so much people yeah. can do, so I mean we have a,
1: a three hour show ahead of us, so no, I'm just kidding, <laughs> good you know, so um, well, uh, you know I've obviously it's limited. I guess pick you know one or two one or two highlights
0: <laughs> for sure, I'm just teasing you, yeah, I couldn't yeah it. Uh, uh, well, so just just recently, I had the re- great opportunity and privilege of working with an organization here in Dallas that was doing just that. They originally hired me because they wanted to. They, they thought they wanted to just sort of crystallize and t- declare their culture. And we did do mm-hmm. that. But really what we did is, um, in our work together, really help them get really present to their purpose first. As an organization, why in the world did you start this organization 10 years ago? Why mm-hmm. should anybody care? Yes, you do this XYZ service, but who cares? And so helping them really articulate that. And in the first place, I'll tell you, just going through that process along with the executive team of about 10 they got really turned on and excited again about why they are, why they do what they do. And what they do mm-hmm. is amazing, Ben. It's really amazing. And when they, when they get present to that, that starts to cascade down to the rest of the organization. And then one of the things that we, we worked on was, okay, once we've declared here's your, here's your purpose. Now what's your vision? What is the vision is what does the world look like? How is it better when you actually execute to that purpose? So once they mm-hmm. got present to that, we, they got really excited too. And then of course their mission is what they do in service of that. So we captured all of that. And then I said, well now what you have to do to make this all stick is you have to be able to create uh, some operational structure in this to be able to thread this through the way that you do your business. It can't just be a, a statement on the wall. So for starters, mm-hmm. you could always have, in, in almost every meeting, you could have, some, give just five minutes to the floor to, to let employees talk about or share how something that they did is related to serving the organization's overall purpose, how they came mm-hmm. through and helped a client or a customer, and importantly, how that made them feel. Um, because there's something about, mm. we all need stories, right? We all know that. So that's always, it's an easy thing to do, but you do to, to, to thread it to the organizational purpose is essential. Um, and then the another big thing that organizations can do that's so easy, Ben, is to help... Um, showcase what the business is doing in service of its product or its service to the actual end user. So, mm-hmm. for example, if a, if a hospital is obviously taking care of patients, if anybody can hear how is a patient served, and I don't care what role you have in that organization, if you're selling it, if you're a doctor, if you're helping to clean the premises, if you're installing software, if you can understand how this organization is serving this client, and you're part of mm. that—that's motivating. Those are just some right. of the things that, that people can do.
1: Yeah, no, that's right, and that's all super powerful. And and it—the truth is, it really connects very, very much and very deeply to kind of one of the things that one of the things that I, you know, that's not my spec—that's like the one thing that I do, but that uh... you know that I do with my clients and helping them implement entrepreneurial operating system EOS. Uh, as a, as a way of managing and getting what they want and getting traction with with their vision and goals, is one of the fir- one of one of the first couple of things that you know we we clarify with people is answering those same questions that you just mentioned. You know, number one, what are their what are their core values or like what really defines their culture and who really fits in there and what is their goal and mission and you know and then you know and then I think you called it the mission statement of just like okay now what is it that you do that that helps you fulfill that why. Um, and then talk about help. You know what people can do to, you know, to embed that into into the culture. And you talk about having people share what they did. One one of the things we talk about with is <clears throat> is maybe having a thing in the meeting where the manager, whoever's running the weekly meeting in a in a group, is you know making sure to call out uh, call out one or two you know one or two other people and the, you know then what they've done and how they saw that they lived one of the core values or or kind of furthered further the organization's purpose as a as another way of helping people people you know like connect the dots as you uh, you know as you write on your website to see how their role which is very powerful that example you gave like whether you're installing software or you're you know or you're cleaning the floors or whatever it happens to be that it's you know just really seeing how that how that connects to the larger purpose So definitely resonating, resonating very much with that. And I guess you know one thing. I try to, I try to think like when I'm, you know, thinking about a show like this, and what you're saying, is thinking, okay, well, you know, let's say I'm somebody that's listening to this and wondering, okay, it's you know very nice if I'm like an idealistic person, like you know, (laughs) but like, you know, let's say, you know, look, I want engaged employees, but I don't, I as a leader don't necessarily have any larger goal or purpose in mind I, I love you know making deals or making money or winning or beating the competition i don't know whatever it is that gets me out of bed in the morning and it's not you know it doesn't at least it doesn't sound at first glance like a greater purpose or, or mission um, how could how could you know how what would you say to what would you say to me if i was someone like that and i want and i want engagement and i want to have a good organization you know like what what, what would you say to someone like coming from that perspective
0: Mm, I love that question, Ben. Thanks. Well, let me go back for just a second here and, and say that in my true, I, I'm, I love, I'm a social scientist, and so I've been studying mm-hmm. people for years and years, and I've been studying how people experience meaning in their work and how that relates to their sense of self and identity for many years, almost two decades. So I've learned that there, everybody has a different set of, of meaning structures and what it is that they find meaningful. So mm-hmm. some people do need to be, like for example, terribly intellectually challenged. Some people need that relational connection. Um, some people need to feel like they've, you know, that they're they're working in, in alignment with their values. So, but one thing that almost everybody has in common that that person you're talking with, who if that person doesn't isn't necessarily governed by a spirit of purpose or, or a larger concept or a larger picture, one thing that he or she can absolutely do, Ben, that makes a huge difference is he can, he can say thank you. He can say, hey, Ben, I saw you in the meeting the other day. You totally took us to the next level there. If you hadn't said what you said, we would be six steps behind. He can mm-hmm. totally do that, right? So what I'm mm-hmm. getting to is value and appreciation. And in the years that I was doing work in employee engagement assessment and, and development, the number one variable that most people reported as being really important to to impact their engagement was value and appreciation. So... Mm-hmm. he can at least call out you know a job well done and do it in a way that is meaningful and individual and specific and that goes a long long way.
1: Right. No yeah that's a great advice I'm and I'm also thinking or wondering if you know I I think about I I believe it's I I believe it's the mission or I forgot exactly the label that they put on it of uh, of Nike. Just like thinking about this this general issue is it, you know, is that their mission or what their motivating thing is like? Is to experience the emotion of of competition and and victory, something along those lines, uh, mm-hmm. as being like you know bringing that to I guess their own people if they're like crushing the competition, or to bring that to their consumers, uh, and to bring that out in all their ads and whatever. But like it, you know, it's to help people feel that emotion of competition and winning and victory, something like that and you know i mean that could be I, I don't know i mean you know what you would say but that that could be a a form of meaning for some people like you mentioned intellectual challenge is another example but um you know of something that maybe doesn't sound as great on uh, a marketing pamphlet but uh, but but for the people who belong in that organization maybe that maybe that is the meaning that people connect to and, and would, would create engagement
0: well, so what, what's what's great about that conversation, Ben, is that that goes down to you know really authentic, being authentic, right? If you're an organization that yeah, we, we stand for competition. That's what that's who we are. Mm-hmm. Well, then you want to have that plastered all over yourself, all over your website, mm-hmm. all over the way you talk, all over the way you interview, all over the way you do business, because people that are going to be who like that are going to be attracted to that, and people who mm-hmm. are going to be repelled by that aren't going to want to join. Perfect. That's what right. you want. So Even competition though, right? Even that is, I mean, I do a lot of work with StrengthsFinder work and there there is a strength Mm. called competition. And a lot of people who have that, they still experience it differently. For some people, they want to win when they have that. I want to be number one. That's what the competition means for me. For Mm -hmm. others, it means I want to be working with and competing against other people that have really high skills and standards because in doing so, I'm going to raise my best. And others look at that and go, yeah, um, to me, competition is about me just being in competition with myself. I want to be Mm -hmm. better than I was yesterday. So even if you just situate the word competition and use that as your stake, it still means something to various different people.
1: Right, right. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and, uh, yeah, I... I, uh, what, 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 how do you use a strengths finder? I I I, I maybe you know I, I may have forgotten when I when I was preparing for the show today. But how how are you using? Are you a certified strengths finder coach or like? Do, how do you use that in your work?
0: Yeah, I'm a Gallup certified strengths coach, and so how how I use that Ben is I think that it's important that people always have some way to be able to continually understand themselves, become more self-aware. Um, and a lot of assessments over the years help people do that. And that uh, strengths is one of, the, of them that I use. And so it, it it looks for the presence and potency of 34 talent themes that are known and gives you in your, in your first report your top five. So that mm-hmm. helps you really understand a bit about really what motivates you and how you see the world. And so as an example, my number one strength is achiever. So I'm motivated when I get stuff done, when I achieve mm-hmm. things, when that list gets crossed off. And if my day, a frustrating day for me is when there's not, there's a lot of things on that list and there's no crosses off. That's where I have had a bad day. So you start to use it as a way to, to calibrate in a team how to be able to motivate people, how to be able to create a space uh, in a situation that's fulfilling for them as a leader and how to be able to complement the, the workload among team members as well. That's how I use it. And I also, I also do it with families and kids too. And that's really cool to be able to help say a, an eight-year-old understand that he or she has strengths and and for him or her to recognize, oh, I thought that was just me. No, those are actually strengths.
1: Right. Yeah, no, it, it, it is powerful. Those things that, you know, the, those things that we don't, we you know we don't sufficiently value in ourselves because, you know, maybe that's not always recognized as a strength or it's not, a, or it's not, or it's not really a strength in the context where we find ourselves now. And it's easy to forget that we're not always going to be in that situation. You talk about children. I mean, you know, I uh, I think about just for my for myself as a kid and, and a lot of my kids that uh, that you know the the things that you know the things that are strengths for them and that I think make people the greatest achievers in the world, which I associate a lot of times with like ADHD, are the biggest weaknesses when you're in an environment where you succeed by being able to sit still for eight hours and, and do lots of homework and studying, um, and uh, <clears throat> and you know but at the same time that constant movement and restlessness and uh and creativity and not being bound by what everyone else is doing and 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 what the whatever the norms are uh is is what's going to make someone great and not just average later on in life but when you're in that context as a kid you you know you're not seeing that so I, i definitely see how you know and the truth is it could work in companies too you could be in a company where your strengths are you know make you great but you know when you're in the wrong job you know you you see you feel like a failure
0: well that's exactly right Ben in fact and that's the whole opportunity is when you do know yourself like that when you really understand what motivates you and why do you care about that then your opportunity is to figure out well where does that really where does the world need that because it it doesn't Mm. it's not needed everywhere. and so as an as an example in my research when I was doing the meaning of work research I interviewed a, a chef um and I, it, the whole idea was to learn what's, what's meaningful about your work, what's not meaningful, how does it relate to your sense of self. And in the 90 minutes that we met together, Ben, the the man broke down at least five times in tears. He was so miserable in his work. He felt trapped <laughs> and you know, totally loved being a chef but hated everything about everything else he was doing. Hated hmm. that he was working while his family was playing. He hated his boss. He was a screamer. You know, he felt mm. like he was trapped because he had to make this income for his ex-wife. I mean, he's just in a miserable existential crisis, and that was the mode that I found him in. And then six months later, I come back and talk with him, and he says, "You know, I'm in a different, a whole different place. I'm in a different job. I, I have a different boss. I have different hours." He's doing the same work, Ben. The right. difference is he he went to a different environment. He pointed those strengths and those skills where they could actually land. Help him become successful and fulfilled versus frustrated and and anxious.
1: Right. Uh, well, that's a that's a that's a really powerful question that you said. I think I mean to, in my ears, about you know to ask yourself when things are not working and you don't <laughs> things are not working you don't feel good. It's not feeling successful. Is to ask, okay, well, well, where in the world are my strengths needed? I mean, first identifying those obviously, and you know, there's, you could even go online and Gallup Strength Finder, and if you want to use that tool and do that yourself. Take the take the take the analysis online, but um, but just to, it's such a powerful question you said. Like okay, well, where where is this valued? Where is this needed? You know, and then and then try to make a change going there. That's I mean that, that sounds really powerful. I guess in the last couple of minutes that we have here, I just want to you know I want to ask you also about. I, I know you have you mentioned that you have this upcoming book, a women's anthology. Like what is the idea of that? When's that coming out? What's the what's the goal there?
0: I have actually two books coming out, so I'll say okay. something about each of them. All right. <laughs> Why well, just choose one, right? Right, right. Um, no the, the anthology. Like choosing between is your children. <laughs> I was asked to write I was asked to curate by a friend of mine. He said, I want you to curate a women's anthology. I don't care what you what you focus on, but I want a women's anthology. And I was like, Well that's a no brainer, it has to be about purpose. And mm-hmm. so what I got, Ben, was I wanted I, I, for a lot of people purpose seems lofty. Like, yeah, 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 that's, you know, somebody else can do that, but I can't. So the idea of the book, the vision of the book is to be able to showcase women from all over the world who have discovered their purpose and are persevering mightily to, to serve it. And I want to do that because I wanted, I want that to be an example for other people that, yes, you really can do this and it really is worth your effort. And it's not just for privileged people who have a lot of money. I have people coming in from Kenya. I have people coming in from Ireland. I have uh, somebody coming... I have a a sister coming in from India um, and a woman who was at her dismal wit's end coming in from China. Anyway, so that's coming out sometime next year. And Mm -hmm. it's just... It's the whole idea is to be inspirational and educational and possibilities-oriented for others. Um, so that's, and I'm so grateful that I get to I get to do this. I get to be the person that curates this amazing work. <laughs> Women from all over the world share their story with and through me, and I'm the conduit. That's amazing. Um, and then my yes. own personal book is coming out this year. My publisher is Practical Publish or Practical Inspiration, mm-hmm. and my book is called Unleashed: Living with Passion and Working on Purpose. And it really is the message that I I'm out sharing when I'm consulting, when I'm out speaking about the the criticality of cultivating meaning, passion, inspiration, and purpose in your life and in your work to make the difference that is worthy of your one precious life.
1: Well, that's great. I, mean, I look forward to seeing those when they come out. I mean, again, people, you know, if you if you want to uh, work with Elise, I mean, you know, get her help in your organization. I mean, again, you can get more information about her and the work she's doing at EliseCortez.com. It's A-L-I-S-E, uh, Cortez.com. And uh, definitely check out her podcast, Working on Purpose, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. And uh, definitely check that out and, and really appreciate you coming on, Elise. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you for having me, Ben. It's nice to be on the other end of the mic. Thank you.
1: Yes, yes, no problem. Well, ha- you know, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. And I will see everybody else on the other side. Thank you.
0: You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf.